Well, good morning, church family. Uh, I kind of feel like we're in a superhero movie with that prelude, right? Good to have the orchestra here this morning leading us, isn't it? Thank you all. So great to see you. Um, just a couple of live announcements as we get started with our worship this morning. So, um, for Holy Week services, uh, you can get all your information, double-check what you need at wheatonbible.org slash Easter. But most important reminders, Good Friday services this coming Friday the 15th, uh, 5 p.m. contemporary, 8 p.m. traditional, okay, and Easter Sunday, 8 a.m. traditional, and 9.30 and 11 a.m. for contemporary. And also, as we uh, close out this Holy Week, our gathered prayer on Wednesday nights, that is at 7 p.m. Um, here on this campus. Uh, again, that's Wednesday. And so for all you families and for the kids, make sure you check out April 14th and 15th. Uh, we have a really fun scavenger hunt here for uh, families with elementary age kids called Hunt for Easter. So not just a scavenger hunt, but designed to help our kids understand the events leading up to Good Friday and Easter in a really meaningful way. So I want to encourage you uh, to take that step. You can choose a time slot and register so we know you're coming, and that's at wheatonbible.org slash hunt for Easter. Okay, you got all that? We'll see you families for the hunt for Easter. We'll see everybody else Wednesday for prayer, Friday and Sunday for services. Next, uh, we've had some incredible uh, celebration and baptism services here at Wheaton Bible Church this year, right? And so I just want to encourage you that uh, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you have not yet been baptized, it's time. Get baptized. Our church family would love to celebrate that with you. Visit wheatonbible.org baptism to sign up for a class, and we would love to walk with you through what baptism means, okay? And lastly, um, as we intentionally have reflected, as we approach Good Friday, as we approach Easter, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We, we, we celebrate that our Savior is risen, he is risen, and He is therefore alive and active, and He is working through His people and His church. And so with that, I just want to uh, have you like uh, have a sneak peek at some upcoming opportunities uh, to serve, to serve our communities both this spring and summer. So CareFest is coming up uh, in May, which is just uh, our annual day of serving projects throughout our surrounding communities. And after CareFest, we have our Puente Summer Program, which offers families in our community an affordable uh, way to provide an active, safe, and skill-building summer uh, for our Puente students. And then we also have our neighborhood Bible clubs. So Bible clubs that are hosted in your backyards, inviting in kids and your neighbors to serve. It's just an incredible uh, celebration, but also a way to share the gospel in your own neighborhoods, okay? So stay tuned. Be on the lookout for those. Um, would love to just have an overflow of people wanting to reach their community in the spring and summer. You all receive that? All right, amen. Let's keep worshiping. Hosanna to the King. 
Today we're reminded of when Jesus entered Jerusalem and all the people were waving palm branches and asking him to be their king. And for us, that also reminds us that we can ask Jesus into our heart to be our king and to uh, give all praise and glory and honor to him with the power of the Holy Spirit. Hear these words from Zechariah 9, uh, 9 through 10. This foretells Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem many, many years before it happened. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and war horses from Jerusalem, and the, ba and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. What a wonderful foretelling of what happened that day. We welcome our choir back today for the first time in a normal service in over two years. We have waited for this day for a long time, as I know you all have too. We pray your hearts will be encouraged as they give glory to God to start our service this morning.
Praise the Lord. He is a good and gracious king. We're going to invite you now to sing that very same hymn as a family of God while the kids will join us. So please stand.
like the people who greeted Jerusalem as he entered and then later pronounced crucify him, we can, too can praise him one moment and then deny him one moment in our thoughts, in our words, in our deeds. Remembering the events of Jesus' last week helps us to see ourselves for who we are, sinners in need of a Savior and a Savior that we have in Jesus Christ. In honesty and hope, we confess our sins silently now to God. Take a moment with him. Loving God, on this day, your son entered the rebellious city that later rejected him. We confess that our wills are, are as rebellious as Jerusalem's. Our hearts are in need of cleansing. Have mercy on us, son of David, savior of our lives. Help us to lay at your feet all we have and all we are, trusting you to forgive, to heal, and to receive us as your own. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Our next two hymns point us to the true glory of Jesus's processional into Jerusalem. He really is our King and our Savior. We're about to read a prayer together, praising God for his gift of grace to us, using ideas from the next hymn we're about to sing, Oh, for a Thousand Tongues. Let's stand together and read this prayer aloud. Lord God, we wish we could sing a thousand times louder to praise our great Redeemer for his glory and his grace. Jesus, yours is the only name that calms our fears and comforts us in our sorrows. Hearing your name is like music to our ears. It brings life, health, and peace to us. Jesus, you break the power of our sin and set us free. Your blood makes us clean. Gracious Master and our God, help us to proclaim your glory and grace to all people everywhere. In Jesus' name, amen.
Well, good morning, church family, again. Let's, uh, let's pray together this morning as we continue in worship and prepare to hear from God's word. Father, we are so grateful to be gathered together, Lord. We are so grateful to be led by our uh, choir and orchestra here and our, our, our church family. And Lord, here on Palm Sunday, Lord, we're your son, we're Jesus Christ, arrives. It's his triumphal entry as, as our kids that we're just so grateful for to see a next generation, Lord, being raised in you. Wave those branches, Lord. May that be the posture of our hearts this morning to, to praise you, our King who came, your Messiah, Lord, the one you meant to save the world. And Lord, it was not a salvation just for one time. It was a salvation for all peoples and for all time. And so for that, Lord, we're grateful. This morning, I pray for our church family, Lord. I know there are those among us who are sick, who are hurting, who are going through trouble. And I pray that as we worship together this morning, we find and we see our beautiful Savior who is hope in times of trouble. Lord, I pray for your transformation in our hearts. Would we uh, not only worship you here, but be sent out into our families, into our marriages, our workplaces, our communities, to our state, to our nation, and to the world. And so, Lord, I pray for our leaders, our elected officials, those in in places of authority. I pray this morning, Lord, that, that your counsel, that godly counsel would be in their lives. As world leaders make decisions in the midst of terrible wars, Father, we pray for your wisdom. And I, again, I just keep on praying for a resolution to war, Father, that would just leave the nations and us all looking on and have no other word to describe it than miracle. Lord, would you work a miracle in our world today? It's in your most holy name that we seek you and we thank you for one another. Amen. Amen. Well, church family, if I could have you uh, stand, something we do here at Wheaton Bible Church, if you're visiting, uh, as as we approach our passage for the day, we... um, 
uh, stand out in reverence for the Word of God. I'm going to be reading from John chapter 12, verses 12 through uh, 19. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. And so the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. This is the word of the Lord, and you may be seated. So good morning once again. Uh, my name is Kyle Reschke. I serve as one of our pastors here on staff. And just to let you know, Pastor Hannibal will be back in the pulpit for Good Friday and on Easter Sunday. But I have the, the privilege of offering our sermon this morning. And so for all of you who are here in person, for everybody watching online, just want to offer you all a welcome again. I know we have our missionary family. Special shout out to our our global missionary family um, around the world. We're so glad you're worshiping with us this morning as well. So, I'm excited for what's going on in our church family and in our church family. Do you feel the spirit of what's going on? Now, I was reminded uh, this week in a couple of missionary uh, phone calls that gathering how we gather and worshiping like we are today isn't a reality in many places of the world, and so it's something that I'm just incredibly grateful for. So if we could start this morning, uh, if you could turn to the person next to you and just say, I am so grateful to be worshiping with you this morning. Okay, and now that you have offered that greeting and now that you are best friends, two more questions that you can ask the person next to you. Turn to the one next to you and say, who is Jesus? And then let's make a statement here in this Easter season to say, we all need the real Jesus. Turn to the person next to you and say, we all need the real Jesus. All right. You all said it, so now you need to listen up for just a little bit, okay? Um, so this uh, Palm Sunday, I want us to see. I think so, uh, so much has gone on, not just in our world, but, but, but in the, the, the global church that we get Jesus in all these categories. But his triumphal entry, what happens on Palm Sunday, what we celebrate today, actually is a real Jesus that, that bursts out of all possible categories. And so I just want you to think this morning, who is Jesus to you? Is he a teacher? Is he a, a brilliant philosopher who set out this, 
this, this amazing moral code or value system? Is he, as some world religions would say, a prophet, one of many, sent by God? As others religions would say, a false prophet. And so how about for you? Is he someone uh, maybe you tuck in your back pocket for times of trouble that most areas of life without him, but, you know, when I really need him, I'm, I'm going to pull Jesus out of my pocket. Is he, like so much of the world says, love? What a common phrase we hear, right? I believe in a God of love. I believe that Jesus was love. And I say, I absolutely agree But is it the kind of love that would never tell you you're wrong, would never identify if you're headed down the wrong path and place you on the right one, or challenge to seek your most flourishing life? So in other words, is Jesus just your cuddly teddy bear? Is he someone you viewed as a barrier or almost like a a, a bouncer to the kingdom of God, like a divine rule keeper? Or is he your usher into the kingdom of God? So I want you to answer this. I want you to think about this in Holy Week this year. Who really is Jesus? Maybe in new ways. Maybe as a reminder. Maybe for you, it'll be the first time you're actually asking this question. And I want to tell you, I am glad you're here. Because what Jesus does this Holy Week, what he heads to, what he does on the cross, doesn't leave any option but that he is our true Savior He is our true Messiah. He is king. Amen? Amen. All right. So we're at this really important week. Uh, The Gospels, uh, and by the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John give eyewitness accounts of what the most important person who ever lived said and did during this, the most important week of his life, from what we now call Palm Sunday today to Easter Sunday next Sunday. And so this is so important in the four Gospels. There are 89 chapters together that are written, okay, that are written accounting Jesus' life. I found this interesting this week. Out of those, there are four chapters that cover around the first 30 years of Jesus' life, okay? The other 85 cover the next three-plus years. Out of those 85, 29 cover just this one week. This is an important week. A third of the historical accounts that we have of the life of Jesus are sharing with us just this one week what's going on. So it's really, really important. So I want to address our passage from two angles today and then a conclusion, okay? If you're with me, say with you. That was good. With spirit. Thank you. So... Two angles today and a conclusion. I want us to see from John 12, and I will argue that Jesus is better than religion. Jesus is greater than our categories. And because of these two things, he is worthy of our worship. Okay? Better than religion, greater than our categories, worthy of worship. So point number one, Jesus is better than religion, or I will say more appealing than religion. Look up at the screens with me, back to our our passage in John. We're going to be in John 12, uh, verses just 12 and 13. 
So the next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. So I will argue today that it is the same as it was then. Jesus is greater. Jesus is better than religion. So what's going on here? Okay, Palm Sunday. What is going on here? All of the multitudes were gathered for a religious feast. Okay, so that's what they were in Jerusalem for. So at this time, if you were a Jewish person and you lived within a certain uh, distance from the holy city of Jerusalem, you were required to come and celebrate at three main feasts or three main festivals, okay? One of them is where we are today. It's Passover, the others being Pentecost and Tabernacles, and so there are these uh, tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands um, of extra people in Jerusalem. And this particular festival that we read they're gathered for is celebrating the deliverance of their forefathers from Egypt. It's remembering from all the generations before that, that uh, God's people were enslaved under the Egyptian empire and they cried out to God. God delivered them. And so from there, they set this rhythm in their life together and God actually told them to. He said, don't forget, remember, have these rhythms in your life that when I have moved in power, when I have rescued you, when I have delivered you from Egypt, remember it. And so that is what they're celebrating here at the Passover. And so it's no, it's no uh, coincidence, as we're going to see today, uh, that Jesus actually comes on this day. When the people of God are celebrating the great deliverance of God. The actual better deliverance, fuller deliverance, which wasn't just from the Egyptian empire at one time, but would be for God's people for all time, has arrived. And that's what Jesus is proclaiming as he uh, arrives, as he enters and comes to, to Jerusalem at this time. None of the details we're reading about Jesus today are coincidence or happenstance. They all have huge meaning. But the interesting thing here is, so every year the Jewish people, they took the, the same routes. They said the same uh, prayers. It was year after year. And it was this uh, rote religion. It had turned into, we read, like a, like a going through the motions, just a box that we need to religiously check, just something that we do. And so bursting on the scene is Jesus who is healed, raised the dead, teaches the coming of the kingdom of God. And in a society where religious leaders had become the elite and had really burdensome, just checklist religious laws of how the people needed to earn their favor with God. Burdens that people could never meet. And those who are on the margins of society got pushed even further to the margins. And that's the scene that Jesus bursts onto. And here, the poor, the vulnerable, we know the prostitute 
And even in Mark 12, the common or the average person, the crowds we read in Mark 12, who, who had felt that maybe this was just rote and just had seen the checklist, look at Jesus, and they were amazed at him or they heard him with delight. So Jesus was a breath of fresh air. And so that's my first point this morning. Jesus is better than religion, okay? He's better than religion because he is better than any human attempt to try to earn a salvation or try to earn the favor of a perfectly holy God. Religion emphasizes the outward while Jesus has captured the heart. Religion had become so much about what you can't do, and here is Jesus about so, uh, so much more about what you can do, and he's inviting people to come to him to watch what he can do, and we know after Easter to fast forward what the Holy Spirit can do in their lives. Where religious systems become so man-centered and maybe put up barriers, Jesus is here tearing them all down. If you and I went to the temple at this time, if we went to be a part of this celebration, the, the Passover feast, for all of us here, um, there were so many places that we would not be able to go. We wouldn't just be in the outer courts or the outer, outer courts. We would be in the far outer courts. Religion keeps people out. Jesus ushers people in. I love the concept that uh, we need to avoid being bouncers to the kingdom of God because here is Jesus proclaiming that what he's going to do at Easter will usher people into the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen? And so religion again says you need to work your way to God. Jesus here declares on Palm Sunday, and then what he accomplishes through his death and resurrection is that he is the way to God. Another way to say this, Christianity is not about our 10 steps or 100 steps to try and reach a perfectly holy God. Christianity is about the infinite number of steps that God took towards us in the form of his Son, Jesus Christ. Do you all receive that? Do you hear that? So Jesus is better than religion. He is so much more appealing. The crowds that had gathered literally drop everything and they, and they heard that he was coming and went out to meet him and are waving the palm branches for their coming king. Such a breath of fresh air. So if Jesus is better than religion... He is also greater than our categories, point number two. Better than religion, greater than our categories. So follow uh, with me again. I'm actually going to read now in uh, verses 14 and 15 in John. So the people are out waving the, the palm branches. They're awaiting him. They're, they're laying them down on the ground. They, they've got the blankets. And we read in verse 14, Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it, as is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. 
This is a really important passage, and I don't know if you've ever glossed over this before or wonder if you have a study Bible, you'll read that this is uh, quoting from a prophet, a prophet named Zechariah. I want to put it up on the screen because I want you to see this, the historical validity of of what Jesus is doing here too. And so, uh, Zechariah verse 9, 9 through 10, which is where uh, our passage in John is coming from, says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim catch this, peace to the nations, and his rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Now, why do I connect these two? I actually think that uh, we put Jesus in categories or sometimes we say, you know, uh, I hear the secular culture saying, well, Christianity is not a, a reasonable faith or for, for a thinking person. Of course, you see that these claims are false or, or um, if, if you really thought it through, uh, you know, it's just a collection of books, um, it's a religion, it's a group of people, it's a social movement. But what we're seeing here is, is like the history of the Christian faith, because this would be the profile of the Messiah. 500 years earlier, Zechariah, the prophet of God, gave that prophecy that someday the true Messiah, the King, God's salvation for the earth, would arrive to Jerusalem at this time, and he would do so riding on a donkey. Think of that. 500 years 500 years later, Jesus does it. Sounds like some uh, historical validity or consistency to me, doesn't it? And that's not to mention the, the hundreds of prophecies that came true or that God's promises that were fulfilled in Jesus because even 200 years before that, the prophet Micah predicted that the birthplace of the Messiah would be the tiny, out-of-the-way village of Bethlehem. So for me, one of the things that happens here on Palm Sunday and and, and Holy Week is actually um, the reliability of Scripture, the reliability of God's Word, the consistency that we see throughout. By riding in on the donkey, Jesus is actively declaring himself, Hosanna, the Messiah, the King, the one that the prophets all those hundreds of years ago were talking about. Kind of cool to think about? Sounds pretty reasonable, right? We're living in this truth. And in the ancient world, coming kings would come and and approach a city on one of two animals. A donkey or a horse. And that would actually mean, uh, that would actually signify what they are arriving to the city for. So an approaching king, approaching the city in peace, they would come on a donkey. And we know that Jesus was promised to be the prince of peace, something we quote at Christmas often. If they were approaching the city in war, it would be on a horse. So Jesus is signifying here that he's coming in peace. 
For those of you who, who know your Bibles and, and know the book of Revelation, when Jesus returns again, what animal is he riding? A horse. But this time around, he's offering peace. So what we encounter is this, this connected, true history, the historical fact that we encounter in the Gospels. Eyewitness accounts of Jesus, of these things really happening. Matthew and John were members of Jesus' main inner circle. We know that Mark, in his gospel, wrote his gospel in close association with the apostle Peter. Luke, while not an eyewitness, we know conducted careful investigation and had eyewitness accounts. And so we actually find a historically true, not just a spiritually true Jesus here on Palm Sunday. Are you all following me so far? Okay, because I want to bring it a little more uh, personal. Um, we read, though, that not everybody got it that way. They were still looking for him not quite as Savior. They, they were wanting him to overthrow the Romans, the current power of the day, not knowing that his actual salvation would be uh, over sin. He would defeat death. He would rise again. He would forgive the sins of the world and connect uh, and reconcile all things back to God. John 12, 16 uh, through 19. I'm going to read just really quick because we have these categories of people and how they viewed Jesus. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. That's their challenges to Jesus. Look how the whole world has gone after him. And so this Savior they were hoping for at the time, they had these categories this Savior would save us from the Roman Empire. This Savior would save us at this one momentary uh, point in time. Now, Jesus was so much more than that. So much more than the ones who were following him, not because he was Savior, but because he raised Lazarus from the dead, or they heard he was performing miracles. Jesus was even more. And so I want to bring this a little more personal. What are the categories or the little pockets that, that you're trying to fit Jesus into? See, one of them, a part of my testimony, as we talk about both the historical validity of God's Word, my personal testimony, while I had grown up in the church, faith became very real to me, actually, as I studied the sciences as an undergraduate. Now, categories that you may have heard or you may hear that I definitely uh, started to buy into as a teenager is, um, well, if you believe in science, that disproves the existence of God. Or actually what I heard a lot within the church, if you uh, believe in God, then you don't believe in science. These two are mutually exclusive. Now let me tell you a part of this testimony my personal faith journey, and I remember it so distinctly, okay? 
It shows God will just so far burst us out of our categories to show uh, who he is. So I remember the day I was studying for an exam, okay? Don't tune me out. Try and follow here, okay? Studying for an exam. Uh, I was in the student union. I was uh, an undergraduate student. I did cell and molecular biology and biochemistry, okay? Finish that. Um, not important to the story, but random. Had a minor in French horn too, okay? to throw in for, I just like sharing that story. So studying here, and, and I'm going through, like I feel this crisis of faith, but I'm studying for this exam, and I'm going to have to repeat uh, what goes on at the neuromuscular junction. So what happens where a nerve uh, uh, connects with a muscle to make a muscle contract, Okay. And I remember, here's, here's what I remember. I didn't look this back up. I go, okay, how the electrical impulse starts, then gets sent down a nerve, and there's something with sodium-potassium pumps along the way, uh, something about a three-to-two ratio that helps propagate that electrical signal down that then gets to the neuromuscular junction and triggers a neurotransmitter again, and there's something with calcium ions, releases the neurotransmitter, binds to protein that activates another protein. It's actin and myosin and something about the myosin heads, and they start ratcheting together, and it contracts a muscle. And then I said, this happens thousands of times to blink my eye. And contrary to saying this complexity or this beauty or this process excludes faith, I found myself going, oh my gosh, there is a creator. And he is active in every detail. And he has created something so complex, it is beyond my comprehension. The biblical truth that we are fearfully and wonderfully made of all of creation, pointing to the creativity of a creative and active God. And so this category that somehow science and faith exclude each other, no. The beauty of creation actually points to a beautiful creator. We can be both reasonable and intelligent and intellectual in this Christian faith because God is in all of it. So understanding more of science just kept leaving me more and more in awe of God and what he created. So sidebar here because some of you may go, Kyle, how did you go from those studies to be a pastor at Wheaton Bible Church. Story for a different day. But what I will include, uh, encourage you parents in, and with, when you see your students maybe feeling like they're all over the place and what they're going to do in their lives, faithfully pray with them. Just point out what God is going to do. And students, I saw some pats of parents over here. So students, you were uh, uh, understanding what I'm saying. Students, you don't have to have it all figured out, okay? You don't have to have five steps, ten steps down the road. What I'm going to tell you is God has a next step of faithfulness for you. And what is on you is to take it, okay? And he's going to work it out. Okay, that's my sidebar on a, a parenting seminar for the day. So we seek this spirituality, categories. I don't know if for some of you it was uh, sciences like I just said, but... Um, 
your heart's deepest need is for a God who is not just uh, the product of who we make him to be. How could he actually meet our deepest needs if we created him ourselves or just put him into that category? Or in other words, you can't be the solution if you're already the problem. So God is so much wiser than I am. He is so much wiser than we are, and I am thankful for that. So do a thought experiment with me here for a second, okay? Let's say you have a goal. You have a goal. Here's the goal. You say, my long-term goal is to be the most influential and famous person who has ever lived. Centuries from now, I want to have whole civilizations built on my teaching. I want to be at the center of lives, of the lives of billions of people. What would you do to accomplish this? You gather the brightest economic minds of our day. You gather your consultants, business leaders, economists. What would they say? How would you accomplish that today? I'll tell you what it wouldn't be. It definitely wouldn't be the story of Jesus, which is summarized like this. Be born in obscurity. Avoid getting involved in any of the powerful political or economic or academic networks of the day and be tragically killed in your early 30s. That will be the way to unleash your followers in a movement that will actually transcend time, cultures, and all possible barriers who will become the most ethnically, geographically, economically, culturally diverse group of people the world has ever seen. He is so much bigger than our categories, and praise him for that, right? If left to our own devices, that salvation, yeah. This is exactly what Jesus does. He will go to the cross later this week, dies, is buried, but he will rise again and ascend to his Father in heaven and send the Holy Spirit. And so that is a God so much better than my categories, the categories I can place him in, so much more than my feelings or emotions of the moment or my opinions. That is the God of all creation. Which leads me to my last point. Jesus is better than religion. He's greater than our categories. And he is therefore worthy of worship. And so if you're here this morning, if you're looking at Christianity, exploring Christianity, uh, visiting our church family, I have a challenge for you this week. I want you to start not by asking yourself if Jesus fits who you are. I want you to start by asking the question of who Jesus really is. And I trust that he'll show you. Ask that question today because he is such good news. He is such good news not just for the crowds who came after him uh, in what we're reading today uh, in, in the original Palm Sunday. He is such good news to us today because he doesn't fit our categories. And so while we like to live in this, uh, okay, you know, uh, just nuance it a little bit, Kyle. Let's avoid black and white thinking. Let's leave the door open for a more moderate response. No, Jesus actually evokes a fork in the road. If he's truly Messiah, Savior, King, which is what he's claiming today at Palm Sunday, There are two options. 
you can reject him and run away. Or you can receive him and run toward him with joy and worship him because he gave it all for you. Those are your options. He is worthy of worship. And I want to turn, instead of my own words, back to God's word. This is the God we worship. Philippians 2, 5 through 11. This is our Savior. This is the Jesus who is entering um, victoriously on Sunday, but will be crucified later this week. Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen? Amen. He's better than religion. He's better than our attempts. He's the definer of truth, so much greater than our categories. And so I want to close with this poetic reflection from almost 500 years ago on Jesus, okay? I came across this in a book I was reading for something else this week, but man, did I sit with that verse I just read in Philippians and with this. This is our Savior, okay? Look at the real Jesus today. He was sold to buy us back, captive to deliver us, condemned to absolve us, made a curse for our blessing, a sin offering for our righteousness, marred that we may be made fair. He died for our life so that by him fury is made gentle." Wrath appeased, darkness turned into light, fear assured, despisal despised, debt canceled, labor lightened, sadness made merry, misfortune made fortunate, difficulty easy, disorder ordered, division united, ignominy ennobled, rebellion subjected, intimidation intimidated, ambush uncovered, assaults assailed, force forced back. Combat combated, war warred against, vengeance avenged, torment tormented, damnation damned. The abyss sunk into the abyss, hell transfixed, death dead, mortality made immortal. In short, mercy has swallowed up all misery and goodness all misfortune. Jesus, that is our Savior, the real Jesus who meets the deepest needs of the world, the deepest needs of our hearts. He's better than religion. He's greater than all of our categories. And he is so worthy, so worthy of all of our worship. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we thank you because in your word we encounter your truth. We encounter a God, we encounter a Savior who is so much bigger than us and we praise you for that. 
And so, Lord, help us because I know we all have our categories, and, and Lord, you just burst out of them. Thank you, Lord, for your salvation. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus. Help us in this week to see you in a new way. You are so much more than useful. You are beautiful. Lord, you are true. You are so much more than our feelings and opinions. Lord, show us yourself. And as you do, transform our lives. That is our prayer for Wheaton Bible Church for one another this morning. Amen. To respond to our message today, the choir will sing a song celebrating the triumphal entry into Jerusalem and yet in a minor key. Palm Sunday is a celebration, but we know that Good Friday is ahead. And so the song says, go forth, O Christ, to claim your throne and yet also to suffer on our behalf.
Church family, can you please stand for our benediction? Um, and, and real quickly before you go too, because we have uh, the week before Easter. So we've had uh, these cards available for you to pick up and it has uh, all the information about uh, our Easter services, okay? So uh, we have been, if you've been dropping them off, mailing them for you. I think you run the risk timing-wise if you do that today, but still pick them up and even better than mailing them, uh, deliver them to somebody you want to invite to Easter services here. Um, we know so much more likely among our neighbors, coworkers, colleagues uh, to receive an invitation that comes from somebody they know and love. So I just want to encourage you to do that, okay? And for our benediction uh, to close our services, I want to reflect from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. So I'm fast-forwarding a little bit from this week because we actually know how the story goes, don't we? Jesus rises from the dead. Easter morning happens. Our King is risen. He is alive. And so church family, our benediction is from 2 Corinthians 1.20. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us at his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. So church family, you are assured. The Savior has come. He is faithful. And you are sent in the assurance to our world, to your places of work and influence, to your families and neighbors, in the presence of God, in the peace of Jesus Christ, and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Go in peace, and we'll see you for prayer on Wednesday and here on Friday and Sunday. Thank you all for worshiping with us today.